como 10 minutos. Okay. Nada más que eso y de ahí viene el, el, el sendero nuevamente de unos 3, 4 metros de ancho. Welcome to another episode of Strangers Abroad. This podcast is a series of conversations with the wonderful and weird people I met while backpacking throughout Latin America. These are the hitchhikers, the couch surfers, the expats, the thrill seekers, the mountain climbers, the volunteers, and society quitters. The people who, for one reason or another, made the decision to challenge themselves, to leave behind the comforts of home, venture out into the world to see what happens. Here we go. I was working at a hostel in San Jose, Costa Rica, and my boss wanted to throw a party that weekend, and I offered to make him a cake. However, I had to use his oven in his apartment next door, and he mentioned that his roommate might be home. I baked alone that afternoon until I heard the door open. Unaware of my presence, Sarah exclaimed, Is that cake I smell? I peered out from the kitchen to see who had joined me and to go explain that I wasn't breaking to an apartment. I was just, oh, we don't shake hands. We hug, she says, as she roped me into her embrace. Oh my God, I thought as this stranger kept squeezing me, I love this girl. We immediately broke into a long conversation as if it was unfinished from years ago. Like a hummingbird flying from one flower to the next, Sarah gave me a scattered synopsis of what brought her to Costa Rica and how she was actually leaving in a few weeks. Keeping my feelings to myself, I internally got upset at that news because, well, because we had just met and there's already too much to talk about. Later at the party, we sat with her other friend, also named Sarah, but from Scotland, who was actually in the previous episode, whose quick tongue kept up with Sarah and I going on the 11th hour of our first conversation. As the hours went by and the cake got smaller, I was told the history of their friendship, which is a really beautiful thing to witness when you watch two people who are so appreciative of the other and experiencing them recount their favorite or silliest moments from the past while relishing in their tropical future together. This cake is amazing. Can you make it for my going away party? She said. I twinged, cause that was a reminder that she would be leaving soon. But our friendship had just begun. This is a Skype recording I made in February. Since we parted in Costa Rica, she has continued to bounce around the world, going from teaching in New Zealand to becoming a dive master on a tiny island in the middle of the Indian Ocean, where she was residing when we had this conversation. It reminds me of the planet the little prince lives on, taking only 15 minutes to walk around the entire floating piece of land, gently bobbing in the middle of the sea. She has become enamored with the discoveries of the underwater world, one that mirrors the great depths she is finding within herself. Here's her story. How large is this island? Oh, it's, you can probably walk around it in about 20 minutes. It's tiny. <laughs> oh my God. Smaller than England. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh my God. What was your first dive? And what did that feel like? 
yeah, I went over to uh, Bogus del Toro, Panama, uh, just before Christmas, and as a kind of Christmas present to myself, I decided, right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get my open water. Something I'd always wanted to do since I was really little. And yeah, it was. Oh, I'll never forget the first time I I went underwater and like scuba diving. It was just. It's a feeling like nothing else, you know. It's like obviously I was I was pretty terrified, you know. But as soon as I got down there, ah, oh, I don't know, all the fear I had just dissipated. Just looking around and just so many of these beautiful fish and just just the feeling of being underwater and just looking up and oh, it was just incredible. I'll never forget it. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, the feeling that I get when diving and I think the thing that I love so much about it is that like time kind of ceases to exist like time just completely slows down and everything's a lot slower and you're able to really be kind of in the moment where you're so aware you're so like completely aware of what's going on around you and you know then you come back up and you're like it's kind of like Narnia where you're like well, I was only down there for five minutes. And they're like, no, you've, you've been down there for like 45 minutes. And you're like, but, but that, yeah. <laughs> that happens yeah, so quick. Absolutely. absolutely. So think, what do you think it yeah. is about, what do you think it is about being underwater that makes, that augments our perception of time? Yeah, it's a really good question. I think, yeah, for me, like right from the beginning, like as you say, like, I don't know, as soon as I'm under the water, I do just kind of enter into this kind of, amazingly kind of like meditative state whereas you say I think it I think it's because your existence down there is so much centered around your breath in the way that you it's not centered around that when you're above water you know you kind of take for granted that you're breathing but underwater everything is about your breath you know your breath affects your buoyancy it affects how long you can dive for you know so it's something that you meditate on it's something that becomes your primary focus and I think that is what I don't know that's how it alters time for me that you become very aware of every every breath every moment that you're under there yeah I can't believe that my job every day is to go down and you know share my passion for marine biology it's just like like I think I mentioned in my message to you just before I just came back from a nightlife and Oh, I just saw so many things tonight. It's probably one of my best eyes here. I saw uh, like a coconut octopus. A what? Uh, <laughs> have, a, have a look what that is. It's a really, really cool, amazingly beautiful octopus called a coconut octopus. A coconut op- octopus? Yeah, have a look. That sounds amazing. <laughs> that yeah, sounds so cool. we saw lots of cuttlefish tonight and um, lots of banded uh, pipefish just... Like the ocean just comes alive at night. That's where a lot of the creatures, like forays and octopuses, they come out and hunt. So it's just seeing the ocean in like a totally different perspective. Oh, it's good. It's wow. And it was full moon tonight as well. So that was wonderful. Just, you know, swimming along on your back and looking up, and you just see the sort of shards of light from the moon coming down through the water. It was just amazing. Whoa, that's so <laughs> cool. So you're seeing like the ocean on the hunt kind of, you know, like there's, it might not be as like tranquil as it is during the daytime. Oh, that's so fascinating. How did you get to Costa Rica originally? 
So the way I ended up in Costa Rica, wow, that's that's a little bit of a story. So yeah, I I decided to leave London. I guess kind of a bit on a whim, I suppose. Um, it was like September two thousand and fourteen. I kind of just come out of quite a big relationship, and I guess suddenly all these questions of you know what I was doing, where I was going, kind of came into the fore- foreground. And yeah. I don't know, for me, I hadn't been traveling since 2012 when I traveled around South America, which I remember really kind of connecting with you about, like, that you'd been as well, and that we'd kind of, we spoke about that a lot, and for me, I, like, I'd been working in publishing for a long time, I'd worked for various charities and so on, and I kind of just felt like a, I needed a, a kind of break from my London life, I suppose, like, I love the city, and London will always be my home, but... I kind of felt like, I don't know, I needed another adventure, I suppose. Um, A really, really old friend of mine, Sarah, who I think you've interviewed for one of your other podcasts. um, True. She was, yeah. She was great. uh, Working as as an English teacher in San Jose, Costa Rica. And yeah, she put in a good word for me. So she managed to kind of line up an interview for me out there. And Sarah's just, well you've met her she's one of my favorite people in the whole world she just has this like amazing energy and I just knew that like we'd spoken about traveling together for such a long time and yeah it all kind of just fell into place really right yeah how did you and Sarah meet we actually met at university (laughs) one of (laughs) one of like the defining moments of our friendship actually was you know when you're in like well in the UK where you know we're in halls of residence and like, one of the most boring things for us was, like, doing our laundry. I remember, like, me and Sarah, like, we, we, we had a few classes together. We, we studied film studies together. And we kind of ended up sort of being in the laundry room at the same time. And <laughs> me, Sarah, and our friend Kate, we kind of just all impromptu kind of just started, like, singing, like, Cindy Lauper. Girls just want to have fun. Oh, my God. And just basically... <laughs> doing a lot of impromptu songs to make laundry a lot more interesting and that kind of became our little tradition like once a week that we would always go to the laundry together and just be silly and sing oh my god that's adorable (laughs) i found that especially after going out and traveling for such a long time that the relationships i've made at university tend to be like really strong like Mm. those relationships are such a are developed at such a like pivotal point in your life. How do your friends take it when you that you've been gone for so long? Like, how have you seen your relationships back home shift? Or when you go home, is everything like as if you had never left? You know, like, and we're back. You know. <laughs> um, I think in general, I found that um, especially the friends that I've had for a long time, like my you know friends that I've had since school or friends that I've had from uni I think as you say because you're kind of meeting at such a kind of um, a point of sort of transgression and sort of you know real kind of development I suppose I guess you're a little bit more forgiving of time elapsing you know like you've been through so much as you as you've been growing up and I don't know I, I find with those friends it doesn't matter how long I've been away they'll always be I don't know that connection I suppose yeah I've, I've always I've always been really lucky like that I 
for Sarah, for example, like until I saw her in, in San Jose, I we hadn't really hung out for maybe like five, five, six years, like since uni. But as soon as I saw her on her porch in San Jose with her mum, actually, it was really nice. She was out there as well. It was just bang, like straight away, just back in there. Right. Yeah. As if you had like really never cool. left. Oh, yeah. That's such a great exactly. feeling. That's such a yeah. great feeling. So how has it been? Exactly. So you have not been home since Costa Rica. Is that correct? Yeah. Wow. So. How has been making friends abroad been for you, especially now that you, you know, you lived in San Jose, which offers you to like meet a few more people. There's a kind of large expat area, but now you're living and then you were in New Zealand and now you're on this island. Like, how do you facilitate like a community around you? Well, I guess um, now I'm, you know, now I'm working as a dive master and I'm kind of surrounded by this amazing group of people, like dive masters and instructors who, are, you know, who share this passion that I've kind of developed and engaged in for, for like the last, you know, for the last sort of 15 months. It's it's amazing. I kind of, I feel like I've kind of found my my little, a new little home, I suppose. Um, you know, we're just basically all a bunch of geeks, and it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, we spend most of our time together underwater, you know, finding all these amazingly beautiful creatures underwater, and we come up, and that's always, you know, the starting point of, we come up from a dive, and, you know, like, oh, what did you see down there? You know, oh, I saw this, and this, and... And I think this kind of diving community it really attracts a certain type of person that as I say is a little bit geeky but just someone that you have to be very outgoing uh to work in this industry because at the end of the day you know you're you're taking people out you're you're around people all the time and yeah it, it does take a certain type of character I guess but yeah I I love I love all the friends I've made here uh, and I guess we're all in the same situation as well you know we're all very far away from home and I think because we're all kind of in the same boat, so to speak. Yeah. I don't know. It really bonds you. I kind of, you know, uh, relationships here. You get very, very close to people very, very quickly. And I don't know. It's it's awesome. Like I've met some amazing people here. It's been great. What's like the nationality mix of your group? Oh, all over the place, actually. Yeah, we've got uh, got people from Sweden, Denmark, uh, Canada various places in US, UK, Ireland, so, you know, it's, it's a, a, a completely sort of international community sort of coming together. And mm-hmm. as I said before, the, some of the best dive masters and instructors here are, are local people from Malaysia as well. Like they've, you know, they've grown up here. They, they've been diving these sites for you know, years and years. You know, some of these guys can find pygmy seahorses which are literally the size of your little fingernail they can find them yeah like on fan coral like they can find them and it's just amazing to be around you know around local people who are so experienced who just know this underwater world like the back of their hand it's amazing that, that sounds incredible so what is what's like some of the things that you're able to see down there and what's the craziest thing that you've been able to see well uh, we get um, a lot of a lot of different types of eels so we, we get lots of uh, like different types of moray eels we get lots of day octopus 
uh, which like to hide away, like in, in little holes. So you have to be a little bit of an underwater detective to find them. Um, at the moment, we've seen lots of um, cuttlefish, which is really, really exciting. They just look like they're from another world. So I love them. But I mean, the great thing about uh, where I'm diving at the moment is uh, we've got Sibidan, which is, uh, you know, about a 15, 15 minute boat ride away. And Sibidan, the diving off there is kind of, you know, we sort of voted like top top five to top 10 place to dive in the world. And yeah, I mean, the stuff you can see there is incredible. I mean, you can see hammerheads there, um, a pilot whale. Uh, breach right by the by the boat the other day you know you can see dolphins there it's it's kind of like actually being in the David Attenborough wildlife video but right. you're actually in it and yeah unfortunately David isn't there <laughs> <laughs> how has diving changed your perception of the world oh it's such a different perspective than just like regular traveling do you know what I mean so how do you compare like exploring a new city or a new culture in comparison to just like a facet of what our earth looks like that is still and both experiences are still like kind of rare like not everybody gets to go and travel and go and and live underwater kind of or spend so much time underwater so like what is the difference becoming more intimate with like what our planet has to offer yeah that's a really good question I think the main thing that it's made me really appreciate is that I, I feel so lucky to have this this access and this uh, this opportunity to you know go down into the ocean and just see some of the most beautiful beautiful untouched coral just to see these creatures just living so harmoniously you know it's it's really really awe-inspiring you know I mean Obviously, like, a, like there are certain areas of, of the reef which you do see uh, littering and you do see um, a lot of debris down there. And like part of my um, company I work for, we do a lot of like uh, litter picks and kind of reef cleaning and stuff like that to so kind of try and counteract that. But for me, like one of the most positive things that I found about since my dive master is that as I say, it's that connection with the local divers that has taught me so, so much that it's so important to, I don't know, to not be afraid to ask questions about, you know, um, about a certain dive site or how you dive a certain site or what, what you're likely to find. And I think it's really, really shifted my attitude and, and really made me realise that, I don't know, there's no shame in saying you know what like I'm new to this like I don't have all of the answers like but and then turning to like a local dive guide or an instructor and just saying look you have years of experience like how how would you approach this and that's really really shifted my my outlook and it's been a really really positive positive thing yeah Yeah. do you think that your perception of nature and the way that nature works is different versus especially growing up in an urban area like London yeah I think that's another thing that you kind of really really come to appreciate when you're diving diving every day is like how I don't know for, for example with with coral like in order for coral to exist inside a coral it has a little plant which lives inside it and it helps it actually thrive 
and live, you see this like every day, like between everything under the water, there's this kind of symbiosis, there's this relationship that one of one thing relies on the other. That's how it all works. And it's amazing just to see all these different types of fish kind of living alongside each other and I, I love it so much. It makes right. me, like every, I've not had a bad dive. Like I literally, every time I come up, there will always be something that new that I've seen, or it's it's just wonderful. I love it. <laughs> so it's just like this endless learning opportunity. So when we met, you were working kind of like as an entrepreneur, teaching other people business English. Could you explain? that and if you are still doing that? Yeah, yeah, so I, I set up my own company, um, it was about a year and a half ago now. But yeah, I guess like the sort of the basic premise of, of what I do is uh, about having kind of uh, online classes which are sort of in real time. That's so, awesome. Yeah, it's been a wonderful opportunity to kind of really build on these, rela- like like a lot, most of my students have actually, they've stuck with me the whole time I've been away. And it's actually been really lovely for that, that, to have that dynamic, you know, to see them improve their English so much over the last year and a half. It's been wonderful. Oh, that's so cool. So what um, inspired you to do that? I don't know. I guess <laughs> I've never been that great with authority. <laughs> I think for me, I kind of reached a point where um, I was about to kind of hit 30 and I don't know, I I knew that I wanted to travel again, um, but I wanted, and I, I, I love teaching, like I, you know, I've always loved teaching, and I, I love sort of nurturing my different students and finding out what their strengths and weaknesses are, and finding what they, what they're really interested in, what they're passionate about, and bringing that into my lessons to help them really kind of, you know, move on and develop, and I guess, yeah, I, I wanted to combine that passion for teaching with my passion for traveling, I guess. And I wanted to be my own boss. I wanted to say, you know what, I'm going to travel sort of definitely. And I want to know that I will be able to fund this trip on my own, I guess. And yeah, I guess that's it. <laughs> that's awesome. And there's so many stories of people who are able to kind of unify travel and work and it's really interesting how people are able to kind of manipulate the two you know and be able I mean technology has just done like wondrous things for us you know like you could not do this like 10 15 20 years ago and now everybody is trying to become independent location doing work via Skype having corporations and all the employees are on like a different continent, you know. It's awesome. And especially since you're still able to do this off this tiny little island off the coast of Malaysia, <laughs> which is amazing. Absolutely. Well, yeah, it's, and it's, it's a really, it brings a real kind of positive slant to all of my lessons, you know, because, you know, I'm on a desert island in the middle of Borneo. You know, one of my students is in South Korea, mm. so, you know, he'll tell me, give me a little snippet of what he's been doing in his life or... You know, while we're Skyping, I can hear some music which is coming from another room in his house. You know, it's just having all of this, I don't know, this little insight into another part of the world. It's, I just love it. It's great. That's so cool. What does your, what does your family feel 
how did it feel about you being uh, so far from home and for such a long time? My family have actually been so fantastically supportive. It's it's really really wonderful actually. Um, I guess for my folks, they they've never really sort of done the whole big traveling thing. I mean, apart from my mum actually. My mum when she was sixteen, she hitchhiked from Surrey, just outside of London, all the way to Morocco, which is which is pretty. pretty what cool. a badass! Yeah. That yeah, is so, like on her own as well, which is uh, yeah. That's you know, a, that would have been, like, in the 60s, so that's pretty cool. That's incredible. <laughs> Man, the 60s and 70s were just such a different time for travel because you didn't have any type of... You didn't have GPS, you didn't have a cell phone, you didn't have... You just had, like, a regular map. There's no Google Maps. And there's so many more stories of, like, like my dad hitchhiked, kind of, like... I think he hitched from New York all the way to Texas, and then he got a bus to... LA and then like maybe hitched up through California and then like you know all of his friends have done like lots of hitchhiking either in either like across the United States or in Canada and like everybody that I talked to I did hitchhiking when I was backpacking throughout Europe and everybody that I talked to or and picked me up tended to be people who did that in the 70s and they're like oh it's so much more dangerous now oh it's so different now but it just seems like everybody was everybody was doing it back then and just oh I don't know what changed but (laughs) yeah that was actually one thing that I really loved about Queenstown in New Zealand so I was teaching over there the great thing about Queenstown is that the hitchhiking culture there is so so strong like it's such a safe place like I would literally hitchhike from from my house um up up the mountain like down to the sort of town center like every day like no problem I would literally get picked up within about two minutes whereas if I did that in the UK I'd probably be waiting for about an hour because everyone would think I was some kind of axe murderer yeah Yeah, it was a really really nice way to kind of like travel about it's really great you know because you get in a car and everyone's got their little story you know it's it's lovely that's so cool are there any memorable stories that that pop out right now because I'd been to, I travelled around Argentina in 2012 and yeah, we were just reminiscing about how wonderful it is to uh, cycle around Mendoza on a bike and going, like doing the whole tour around like the different vineyards and stuff and how on paper that is literally the most dangerous uh, business plan ever, but it's amazing. (laughs) That sounds awesome. But yeah, no, my parents have been wonderful. I mean, I think, you know, when I first sort of told them that I was going away, because I know my mom so well, like I'm only child, so I could, I could, I could tell that she was, she was upset about it, but she, she really kept it together, and I think she really knew that this was something that I needed to do for myself, and, but yeah, ever since I've been away, you know, my parents have just backed me absolutely 110, and especially with, you know, my teaching and becoming a dive master, like, they know this is just what I live and breathe for, and, you know, it's it's really lovely, like, both of my parents will kind of, they've started researching, like, you know, different things about the sort of marine life that I've been, I've been seeing every day, and they've been taking a real kind of interest in, in what I do, which I really, really appreciate, and, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's wonderful, I, I'm very, very, very lucky. <laughs> And it is really important to have your family be 
supportive and be okay with you like not because my family's been very supportive about it too to a point where they're like ah she's just like gonna go off for a while and like well I don't know the next time I'll see her but like I think that really makes or breaks it for a lot of people and because you've been away for such a long time how do you handle you know like missing really big birthdays or Christmas or stuff like that you know what do you do to kind of make yourself feel better about it or your family feel better about it Conversely, I think since, I mean, I know with my parents that since I've been away, I probably talk to my parents way more than I would have if I, you know, when I was in London and they were in Devon, you know, in the southwest of England. You know, I, I me and my mum, we, we pretty much message each other like every day and mm-hmm. we speak, you know, at least a couple of times a week. Right. I remember um, you taking a phone call and like, I think I talked to your mom for a second too. Oh yeah. <laughs> or maybe your dad when when we were baking cakes. Um, yeah. <laughs> so you find that your relationship has like strengthened that the distance makes the heart grow fonder, kind of. So just shift gears a little bit. So you travel alone. Mm-hmm. You travel alone as a woman. Um, what has traveling alone provided for you versus traveling with a companion? Yeah, good question. Um, I guess until December when I actually I had the privilege of traveling with my oldest friend in the world, my friend Nathan. Um, yeah, I've, my only experience of traveling has always been on my own, and I've loved it. Like I, you know, if I'm in a hostel and I look around and I see people who are traveling as a couple or people who are traveling as you know as a group. I always feel that, you know, traveling alone, you're always, I don't know, people are more curious about you, I think, you know, they're just like, well, what are you up to? Why are you, why are you doing this on your own? You know, it allows you to make a lot more friends and to sort of establish uh, connections in a far easier way. You know, I think if people see you with others, they kind of just presume that you're okay. You know, you don't, you don't really need to be chatted to. But in terms of what it's given... For me, it's, oh man, I, I can't even express, like, it's it's given me so much confidence and belief that I can just, I don't need anyone, you know, and I think that's such a, an important starting point for, for anyone, you know, that you can, you can do whatever you want on your own terms, in your own way, to your schedule, and have an amazing time doing it, you know, I mean... That's the thing about traveling with other people, you know, because <laughs> it's a little bit selfish. You know, you have to kind of bear in mind, like, you know, other things and what they want to do. And, mm-hmm. you know, traveling on your own, it's wonderfully liberating. I've, I've absolutely loved it. Ugh, ugh. Preaching to the choir. <laughs> <laughs> um, the differences between traveling alone and then traveling with somebody that you love is like, mm. oh, it's so different. And they both provide yeah. really great things because... On one hand, you're totally right. There's a sense of autonomy. There's a sense of, like, I can do whatever I want and kind of let the wind take me when you travel by yourself. But when you travel with somebody and you're able to make a lot more friendships. Because I think also, like, as a woman, people are... I like the term... I like that you use the term curious. Like, I'm curious about you. I've also found that people are a little bit, like, Oh, you're a female traveling alone? Okay, I'm going to hang out with you because there's a sense yeah. of, like, I kind of need to protect you, which is something that that I've definitely, like, definitely experienced a lot. 
depending on the situation, like, you kind of take advantage of it. And depending on if you want to be alone or not, you're like, okay, yeah, we'll totally hang out. Whereas when you travel with somebody else, you definitely seem a little bit more intimidating to approach or, you know, you don't need, you don't need the help of strangers because you have your friend with you to like bounce things off of, but you're able to generate such a deeper connection with that person, you know, because I backpacked with my best friend for three weeks straight um, at the end of my like long European backpacking travel. And it was like, when we came back to the States, I, we were like, I can't leave you, you know? Like, I don't know what it's <laughs> like to not have you, like, right next to me all the time, you know? And it absolutely yeah. strengthened our relationship and is the truest test of our relationship as well. Mm. Like, I think out of anything else that you could go through. Yeah. No, so, I totally relate to that. I mean, yeah. I think when I traveled with Nathan, it, it was a wonderful feeling. Like, you know, as I said before, I love traveling on my own. But to actually be at a point where I was seeing this, you know, this beautiful landscape or seeing all these amazing things, but actually to be able to turn to my best friend and know that he was feeling that as well was something really, really special. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. That, like, moment shared together is so... Yeah. I'd say, yeah, it, it's it's very different because I feel like it can be equally as powerful when you are by yourself, but it's it's just, it's a different level, you know, because it's, yeah. it's a shared experience. Overall, leaving London, leaving publishing, leaving a long-term serious relationship, what has traveling and seeing the world and putting yourself out of your element provided for you in ways that staying in London wouldn't have? I think it's just, it sounds strange because obviously I've been on my own for a long time, but it's actually realizing how if you make the effort to really engage with everyone that you meet and be as open and as loving to as many people that you meet on the road, like how connected you can feel to so many people. And I think that was something that I was really, really missing in London. Like, I love London. It will always be where I'm from. It will always be who I am. But, the, you know, I know you'll understand, you know, being from New York, it's, you have these little pockets of, of friends and you're, but the thing is, is you kind of have to book in like maybe two to three weeks to just kind of actually see your friends you know it's it's not it's weird enough it's not a very spontaneous place because people are so busy and you know they work really hard and I think that has been a really lovely thing about traveling you know being in Costa Rica and being in New Zealand especially it kind of felt like you were back in uni you know like spontaneous things would just happen you know you could just call up a friend and just say hey hey, do you want to go hike this mountain tomorrow and you know it's it's very much more at the moment which I think I really really needed um, at this point in my life just to be surrounded by I don't know fellow adventurers people who are kind of curious and people who want to be in the outdoors that people who want to go and scuba dive you know who want to hike mountains and uh, I think I needed to be around a certain type of person right, 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 right. what is something that you would tell like your younger self that's a good question um maybe just not (laughs) it's really simple but just 
not to worry so much I think like when you're younger I kind of feel like I don't know you you compare yourself so much to other people and where they're at in their life you know and like for instance if I if I think about you know a lot of my friends like since I've been away they've you know they've been getting mortgages they've been buying houses they've been having babies and that is so awesome and like I it's just it fills me with so much joy that you know that's where they're at in their life and I guess I'm definitely not there yet it's I'm not saying it's not something I want you know in the future but it's not something that makes me sad like it's you know I am genuinely so so happy of where I am at right now like I've never felt so fulfilled and so present and so empowered in my life and I know that my other friends they are get they feel that same thing through where they are at in their life and you just can't compare yourself to other people I don't know everyone gains their true happiness from different things and that's what makes us individual and that's what makes us who they are uh, who we are and and that's awesome 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 so okay so oh wait well I guess okay two more questions two more questions and these are the two questions that I like always kind of wrap up with um out of all the places you've been to and this could be anywhere in the world which place surprised you the most I absolutely fell in love with Guatemala. It, it was definitely wasn't as sort of touristy as sort of other places in kind of like Central America. But it wasn't until I I got there that I realised like quite how untouched it was as a country in mm. you know in comparison to other areas in Central America. And it really kind of reminded me of sort of Bolivia in that you know when you go to Guatemala, you know the remote areas, it is just you and and the locals and that is what I love so much like especially in sort of areas like Chemex Champagne you're just out on your own in this beautiful beautiful wilderness and ah I just loved it so so much like places like Antigua the thing that's beautiful about Antigua is it's actually the the town itself is sort of surrounded by these sort of active volcanoes and sort of at sunrise you can kind of you know, you can sometimes see the lava kind of like bubbling away and like the smoke and you just think, oh my God, like, where am I? This is just amazing. <laughs> it's incredible. I absolutely fell in love with Guatemala. Oh, I loved that's, it. That's awesome. Sometimes I like describe those feelings as like emotional orgasms where it's like I'm so overwhelmed <laughs> by like my own existence and the existence of the world that like you just explode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, but it's also interesting because I don't necessarily, I do get emotional. I know, yeah, I definitely do get emotional orgasms both the times that I've dived. You're just like that. I know this is such a, like, kind of cliche. You're just like this adventurer, you know, and you have no idea what's out there. And you're, like, on on a mission, but, like, not really on a mission. And you're just, you're just there to, like, explore and to observe. And, like, I think it's something that our generation, um, growing up with so much technology and access to all of the information ever is something that people really crave. It's something that our, especially younger kids, like are really craving for a sense of being able to discover something on their own, you, you know, but at the same time, like the first time that you experience something isn't as less valuable because others have seen it before you, you know, like yeah. it's like your eyes for the first time are looking at the Taj Mahal or you're looking at this coconut octopus or you're looking at the Eiffel Tower, you know, it's like your first experience is still 
a discovery in its own. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, that's the thing, like, every time I go out diving, that's exactly how I feel. You know, I I can dive the same site, you know, every other day, but you're always going to see and find something different. And you're always going to be with different types of personalities who, you know, get excited about different things. And it's just about... That's the thing that I love about being a dive master. It's just about engaging with people in these different ways and just ex- having this like shared experience, where you're, you know, for you know, for newbie divers, like they're incredibly vulnerable. It's it's really scary the first time you go out after you're certified as an open water diver and you're suddenly going down to 18 meters. Like, like I had a diver today who she she was certified yesterday and this is her fun first fun dive and like when we were on the boat she was getting really really preoccupied with like checking her equipment like she quite she checked her equipment about three times and immediately i just knew okay i'm gonna keep an eye on you like you get, she's gonna be fine but she's she's worried and as soon as we were down there like i could tell that she was getting a little bit panicked and like after about 10 minutes i literally just like held out my hand and i was like look do you want to hold hands and we just held hands for the rest of the dive and she was totally fine and Aww. when we came up i was just like hey man like I love holding hands. Who doesn't like holding hands? Come on, there's no shame in that. You know, and it's just like having little shared experiences. Like you know, people are vulnerable, and it's, it's it's a really nice part of my job. Oh no, absolutely. Well, it just gives the it gives you that like that physical reminder. Like I'm not alone right now. You know, and the yeah. is really scary, and like you can feel really like alone in this like endless abyss. But like, hey, let's bring it down. You know, you're an earth sign. Like, you're a naturally very grounding person. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny because the the second time that I did a dive, I did it for my birthday in Playa del Carmen. I like treated myself, and it was me and the diving instructor was a female from Australia, and uh-huh. it was her, me, this other guy from like Nevada, and and then this other guy from California. And then two of the locals were steering the ship and, and everything. So this guy from Nevada had so much bravado. And he, I don't know, he had that, like, southern accent. He was, he was you know, rambling up. And he was talking about how, like, he's done all of this, like, adventure horse racing and, like, racetrack car rides. And, like, he was just, like, really blowing up, like, all this adventure stuff. And he had never dived before. And this was my second dive. So I, like, knew what I was getting myself into. So we get out to the boat and we, you know, we've got all of our gear on and the Australian instructor, she takes us down like one at a time just to like kind of get us acclimated. You know, if we wanted to, we could still stand, you know, that's how shallow and like not far from land we were. And he goes underwater and we kind of realize like, you know, me and this other guy were talking, I'm like trying to speak Spanish with the locals and it's like this guy is like kind of taking a long time. So we get up and he decides he totally chickens out. He completely like chickens out and like could not handle being under underwater. And I was like, you are just so full of it. Like that's insane. You know, like after all of the pomp and circumstance and just like bragging about like, wow, I've done such crazy stuff. And it's like, you can't deal with like the most tranquil he was, he was making this excuse. He was like, well, well, maybe if I, like, started in a pool or, you know, it's just such a different feeling. And it's like, no, but, like, it's the waves are going to be choppy and, like, you've got to get used to that, you know? 
And yeah. it, it ended up being, like, a really beautiful dive, and he just stayed up the whole time. And I was like, yeah, that's a bummer. Do you ever, do you deal with people who, like, chicken out? Yeah. One of my first assists, I assisted on an open water course, and... Yeah, one of the one of the Chinese guys, like he was, he was really giving it a lot of bravado, as he said. You know, like he was kind of like his girlfriend was there and their friend, and you know, he was kind of yeah giving a lot of chat. When we actually got into the water, it emerged that he he couldn't swim, like at all, and that's not really something that you can blag like at all. <laughs> so, and it was actually really sad, like to watch this guy, you know, and. Like, obviously, um, I was kind of working with him to try and, like, help him. Because at the end of the day, if you can't, if you can't swim for 400 meters and if you can't float uh, for a certain amount of time, you, you can't pass the course, basically. So we kind of did a lot of work with him. And, yeah, in the end, like, he couldn't pass the course because he couldn't float. Yeah, that was a bit of a cringeworthy moment that, you know, Sometimes it's the people who give give a lot of lot of chat, and actually, when it comes down to, yeah, they, they can't actually do it. Yeah. So to end this off, and this has been an amazing conversation, and it's been so good to hear your voice. And Aww. I just remember the first time meeting you, like being so, being like selfishly upset because you were like, "Oh well, I'm I'm leaving," and I was like, "No, but." <laughs> I just met you. I'm like, we I have know, so much I to know. talk about. I felt like that as well, definitely. We have yeah, so much to talk about. Like, However, I... actually ch- chatting away to you for about three hours in the kitchen in the hostel, and I was just... I remember, like, speaking to Sarah, like, on the walk out, and I was just like, shit, man, like, this girl is awesome. What? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, and that was exactly how, like, I felt with you and Sarah and her, like, quick wit. Ah, just like the two of you. And I just remember like sitting with you both, I think like at that first party and just like talking and laughing the whole time. And I don't even remember like what we talked about exactly. (laughs) It's just like this train that is like going to keep going. But the, you know, my travel philosophy is that there are so many people. There are so many people in the world and so many of them have the potential to be like your best friend, your lover, companion, a partner in crime. And you know, you you don't know that they're there until you go out and find them. And it's just like Absolutely. this whole podcast has been look at all of these incredible people that I met by just like going out there and saying hey to a stranger. That's Absolutely. not always saying you should say hi to strangers, but for the most part. So the thing that I ask people, and it's typically people who don't whose mother tongue is not the same as mine. Um, however, you know, there's there's colloquial differences between between our English. Yeah, tell me tell me a quote that kind of like you keep with you. That kind of like keeps you going. I guess it, it kind of relates back to what I was talking about what I've learned the most about this trip. Um, I remember when I was working in my first publishing job actually and my old boss, like we were we were talking about a lot to do with the sort of struggles of kind of, you know, working as a kind of female in very kind of competitive industry, and I was having a bit of a bit of a rough week, I guess. And my boss, she was lovely, and she picked up on that. I didn't even need to say anything, and she kind of came up to me, and she showed me this little post-it note which she'd kept for like, like since she'd been sort of 
young women working in publishing and it was a really really simple kind of message and it basically just said that you should never compare your how you feel in the inside to how other people present themselves on the outside and it's a really really simple message but it's something that as soon as she showed that to me I literally kept like that little post-it note like in my wallet for like years and years as a, you know as an individual when you're kind of going through hard times you you kind of look around yourself and you you kind of always think wow everyone else is dealing with everything like life so much better than me but you that's just what they're presenting to you you can never truly know what someone else is feeling on the inside and I think it just that resonated with me so much just because it's just so empathy is just what binds us all together and that since I've been traveling that has just been something that's come up time and time again you know something will go wrong or I'll have a bad day and I will meet this wonderful person at exactly the right moment and they will say something to me or they'll share a story and it doesn't matter that I'm miles away from home I feel connected to that person just when I needed to and yeah I think that's been something that's really really resonated with me this trip oh that's wonderful thanks so much thanks for this has been fantastic as I like expected I woke up this morning and I was like oh it's so early but like I know I'm about to have an awesome conversation with Sarah (laughs) and it's so worth it um so thank you so much for taking time out of your out of your night I guess because where you are at night time Sarah is one of those people who embraces you immediately, will let you cry on her shoulder after five minutes of knowing you, and silently empowers you just by standing by. It doesn't take much for her to become comfortable with you. Within moments of meeting her, I joined in on a Skype conversation with her mom, who is also very welcoming and friendly. Although our time together was short, I'm so happy Sarah is finding the adventure she was craving and is appreciating the richness of what the world has to offer. She has the makings of a wild life. A Don Luis? Sí. Ah, ya sí. Te ven. Ya. Porque también pueden ir. Los puedo ir a dejar. Ustedes caminan y volver con él. In the next episode. We get deep with Sarah from Scotland, who is constantly on the lookout for the cultural crossovers of what makes us all human. Um, and the people, like Scottish people are great, but the city I lived in is just, it's not a particularly friendly city uh, as a whole. You walk down the street and nobody like, interacts with you or engages you. Whereas here, people are always coming up and just chatting to me. And even though my Spanish isn't and anywhere close to perfect, I can still have all these lovely small interactions. Um, one time I was on a bus, I was eating a banana, I finished my banana, I was sitting holding the peel. The guy sitting next to me was getting off first. He took my banana peel for me to go and put it in the bin for me. Like, it's just the most like tiny little thing like that, but it's so friendly and so lovely. Hear more next time on Strangers Abroad. Hasta la próxima.